Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast where we talk about issues relating to health, fertility, and parenthood. On today's episode, I am joined by Kelsey Burley and Lenny Stone, two amazing women who are currently in the process of trying to conceive. I met these two brave ladies via the Fantastic Fertility community on Instagram and have worked with both Kelsey and Lenny in various capacities from private fertility mindfulness sessions having them as an attendee for my Empowering Your Fertility Journey workshop and appearing on their respective IGTV interview series. Kelsey is an infertility warrior who has openly shared about her journey trying to conceive on Instagram and in the process has inspired thousands of people with her candor and vulnerability. Kelsey has gone through IVF and miscarriage and is passionate about sharing information and resources as a means to educate and therefore empower women. Kelsey does this through her IG account at My Journey with IVF and has recently started an IGTV series called Infertility Time. Linny suffers from recurrent pregnancy loss and APS, a blood clotting disorder. Women with APS have a high chance of miscarriage or stillborn if not vigilantly medically monitored. Before getting diagnosed, Linny had three miscarriages. She also recently discovered that she has diminished ovarian reserve. As she fights to find her path to parenthood, Linny is sharing her experience with loss and advocating to get answers for herself while helping spread awareness on women's health and fertility issues. She shares her story candidly on Instagram at linspired.living while incorporating her relationship coaching and therapy tools to help couples cope through infertility and or loss. The content on her page is full of encouragement and resources to help empower women through knowledge. On today's episode, we will dive into both of their fertility experiences. Welcome to the show, Kelsey and Lenny. I've been so excited to have you both on my show to talk about all things infertility, miscarriage, and empowerment. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate both of you taking the time to share openly with me and the audience about your experiences as you're currently going through the process of trying to conceive. Yeah, thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to be on and to just kind of chat with you guys. Yeah, so I think the best way for us to begin is to hear from both of you about how you started along this process of trying to conceive. Okay, well, my name's Kelsey. I'll go first. Um, So my husband and I got married in 2017. Um, We started trying, we stayed married for about a year um, before starting to try. And then in about August of 2018, we got pregnant after like a month or two of trying. So we were super excited. Um, We were maybe five or six weeks in and I had some heavy bleeding. And so... I knew something wasn't right. I had like crazy back pain, like unreal to the point where I was like, this isn't normal. Um, I ended up going to the emergency room and there I found out that um, because I couldn't find the baby in my uterus, I found out I had an ectopic pregnancy and that's kind of where my journey began. Um, For those who don't know what that is, it's basically when the fertilized egg implants outside of the uterus. So um, it can be very dangerous because it can rupture if, um, and can cause damage to your organs and your fallopian tubes. And so, um, so then and there, I miscarried in the hospital after my surgery. And we started trying to conceive for about another year or so. And no luck, you know, ovulation test strips, temperature, like nothing's working. Um, time to intercourse, it's just not, nothing's working. So um, about, I want to say about a year after that, I went and saw my OB and he 
gave me a referral to get an HSG test, which is basically when they put the dye um, in your tubes to make sure there's, you know, a steady flow going through. And that's when I found out I had blocked tubes. And so they kind of chalked it up to be, well, it's probably because um, your surgery caused some scarring on your fallopian tubes and nothing can get in and out of there. So that's why you're not getting pregnant. So he's like, well, there's nothing I can do basically from here. You need to go see a fertility specialist. So I stopped seeing my OB and I got referred to go see a fertility specialist. And this was December of 2019. So I started, I went to my very first appointment in 2020 of January and they basically were like, well, you have blocked tubes. Your basically only option is IVF. So we're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to have to do. Um, it was kind of just a shock because we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was so naive going into this. I just thought like we were going to like, you know, pay some a hefty amount of money and go through this long drawn out process, but then we would have our baby. <laughs> and then after three rounds, um, and a miscarriage, here we are um, to this day, and I still have not, you know, have not had a baby. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for for sharing with us so openly. Really of appreciate course. it. And so yeah. sorry for all that you've gone through. Kelsey, also, I, you know, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that it's rough. Um, I personally know what you're talking about with the change in the path, you know, going from everything happening easily and then it turning into a crazy roller coaster. Um, I also, so my story um, is that my husband and my, he's my husband now, but we actually got pregnant um, shortly after getting engaged and it was a surprise. We weren't trying. We weren't not trying, um, but we weren't trying. And it happened. And I can be, you know, I'm a planner and I'm like very detailed and meticulous. And so I had kind of always hoped that that's how it would happen, that it would just be a surprise because I didn't want to stress out about everything that I'm stressing out about now. <laughs> um, and so I, we got pregnant. It was a surprise and we were so happy. And I just felt like, okay, this is awesome. I don't have to worry about this. Um, and it's just going to be easy. And then, um, we had our ultrasound scheduled for 10 weeks. Um, and we went in and same thing, like they couldn't find the baby. Um, and she said that it had stopped developing and I was in shock. Um, I didn't want to believe it. And I'm a researcher. I just, I never take anything for what they say. I always have to do my own research. So of course I went and did, you know, my own reading and found that, you know, sometimes they can't find anything because you're off on your timing, you know, like not as far along as you thought you were. So I was like, maybe that's it. And she said, I need you to come in. This, this happened on a Wednesday. And she was like, you need to come in for a DNC on Friday. And I was like, no, <laughs> I need time to process this. And I want to make, I, I want a second opinion. And we actually waited another week. Um, and I went to a specialist um, for an ultrasound and they said the same thing. It sucked because I, I got there and the first thing she said was, oh yeah, okay, I see the stack. So you are pregnant, you know, and then she kept looking and she was like, actually, yeah, there's, it's not there anymore. And by then I had been, you know, I told my husband, like, I just need to do this for me, but if it doesn't work out, then I'll let it go, you know, but I just needed to have that extra reassurance. Um, so we did have the DNC and everything at first seemed perfectly fine. I was, um, I didn't even really have much pain. Um, and then shortly after I started to bleed, um, and it was just on and off and then it got worse and worse. And my doctor initially said that sometimes that happens after a miscarriage or after giving birth. And so I, I, you know, I'd never been through anything like this before. So I thought, okay, maybe that's what it is. 
Um, but long story short, I ended up like in the hospital in the emergency room and had to get two blood transfusions because I had bled so much. And I thought I felt like I almost lost my life. Like I passed out at home. I, I couldn't move. It was horrible. And it was traumatizing. Um, I actually went through a period where I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to try again. Um, because it was like, you know, I, I felt like I kind of escaped death the first time, you know, and I was like, well, if this is just my first time, what's the second time going to be like, you know, you just think the worst when something happens like that, you know? Um, and so I was really scared to try again. And we waited nine months, um, and actually had our wedding. Um, and we tried again during our wedding week, we had a destination wedding. So we were gone for a week and I got pregnant immediately. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, like I must be so fertile. I remember thinking that, and it's crazy to think that now because I've learned so much about my body and where I'm actually at. But at that time, that's what I thought. And I just, I was so excited and we, um, miscarried just a few weeks after the wedding, um, you know, like a month or so after, uh, and so it was just like devastating to go from like really, really high, you know, you're, you're, you have your wedding and you're super excited and you get pregnant and it just feels like all your dreams are coming true. And then I went from that to like a month later devastated because I had lost the pregnancy again. And now we're newlyweds, you know, and I'm supposed to be happy and excited on a newlywed bliss, newlywed honeymoon. And instead I was like depressed you know, and I felt so guilty that I'm this depressed new wife, you know, but I couldn't help it. I needed to go through that. Um, and I just kept telling myself, you know, I have a background in therapy, so that helped me to an extent. Um, but I just kept telling myself, like, this is now, this isn't forever. Like, I'm not always going to be this way. I will have my opportunity to be that happy wife again. You know, I'm just, I'm grieving and it is what it is. Um, and so we tried, uh, we didn't, we, I, I miscarried naturally at home. And then we found out like a month later that I was pregnant again. Um, but then it, it didn't work out. Um, I lost it again. And it was just like this, I was just really down. And I just was like, why is this happening? I don't understand why this is happening to me. Like, what did I do wrong? I felt Devastated doesn't begin to describe how I felt. I felt like my body was a prison. I, I told my husband, I felt like I was in a straitjacket. Like I wanted to escape my body. Like I wanted a new body. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And um, we, I, I was just like, I need answers. And I became obsessed with getting answers. And because of that, we found out I have uh, antiphospholipid syndrome, which is a blood clotting disorder. And women who have this have like a 70 to 80% chance of having a miscarriage or stillbirth, hence my three losses. Um, and that's if they're not medically monitored. If you are, then you have a very high chance of getting to full term. Um, and I have low AMH, um, which means that I have low, I have less eggs for my age than I should. So I'm not fertile, as fertile as I thought I was. Um, and now I've been working with an RE. Um, I just changed clinics, actually. And we're um, trying out different things to help me get pregnant because um, we've been trying again after a break. Um, and it hasn't happened uh, even with, like, medicated cycles. And so we're trying to figure out what's going on now. But it's been, like like I said, a roller coaster ride. And it's, you know, I just relate to Kelsey because it didn't start off that way. You know, it started off easy. Um, and I would have never imagined that it would have turned into what it's become. Thank you so much, Lenny, for sharing your story as well. I really appreciate it and, and feel for you with all of the, you know, the ups and downs that you shared with us. And I'm so sorry for all of the the losses that you had to experience as well. Um, you know, which leads me to one of my questions, which was, and you briefly touched upon it, but I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about how each of you went through that grief process when you miscarried. So perhaps we can start with Kelsey. Sure. Um, 
You know, everyone processes their grief differently and there's no right way to grieve. That's the only good thing about this process is you can grieve however you want. And sometimes that means taking, you know, a week, a year, it it doesn't matter, um, whatever you need. For me, um, grieving was just taking a minute to process and mourn like our loss um, and then find something to look forward to. So whether that be what's coming next, our next step with IVF, um, because like I said, we had three failed rounds, which um, our third one ended with a miscarriage at seven weeks on our wedding anniversary. So that was, that one hit me so hard. Um, And I took a little bit extra time after that miscarriage. That was my second miscarriage. And we had actually just bought a new house. It was our first home. So having that really helped, I think, because it kept me busy and motivated and gave me something to look forward to. But as before, it was like, well, let's go on to the to the next retrieval or transfer because I just wanted to keep going. Like, I'm just so motivated to get there. And I, I don't know, I just think grieving for me personally was always like, you know, just take a second to process and then find something to look forward to. Because I, I think after my first carriage, I was in such a rut for so long. I isolated myself from my friends, my family, and it took me a while to climb back into like everyone's life. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to alienate myself. My friends were there and ready to be supportive of me. And I just pushed them away. Cause I was just like, so depressed. And I just, um, I knew after this last miscarriage, I didn't want to relive that um, because not only was it hard not having the support of everyone, but it was hard to like kind of regain those friendships back and everything because I had not talked to anyone for so long. Um, But yeah, I just think you should grieve however feels right to you. And that's just how I personally did it. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with, with grieving in your own, in your own way. And, and so much of what you said, I thought about, it always brings, you know, when you hear other people's stories, it brings you back to your own time and what you went through. And, and that actually happened to me in that, um, right after a miscarriage, right when we found out I was actually staying in a hotel and, um, because we were moving into our new house, I was just waiting for the, the movers to bring our stuff. And, and you're right. It is helpful to, you know, for some people, it is helpful to have that distraction, that other project to keep them, to keep them afloat until they can really like get through the process and, and deal with their emotions. But it's helpful to have either another plan in place yeah. um, or that project. But I do want to touch upon that, that statement that you made about taking a pause because, you know, for, and I love that you did that. Uh, for both of them in your own way, one longer than the other. But it's so important to do that pause because, you know, for myself, I went back to back with all these IVF cycles and I, because it's so time sensitive, I didn't feel like I could really hit the pause button, but it's so important for your emotional and well and mental well-being. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, Lenny, I'd love for you to share how you went through your own grief process. Um, well, I also agree with you guys about, you know, taking a pause. Um, that was something that was very hard for me to accept. I didn't at first want to take a pause. Um, I was all over the place. I was a confused mess. I was, you know, it was like, I don't want to try again because I'm scared, but I'm scared of taking a pause because what if it never happens? Uh, it was just overwhelming, but, um, the pauses have, allowed me time to be me again. Um, and I, I, I recommend that because you can get lost in this journey. Um, and that doesn't mean you won't find yourself again, but you can go through moments where you just feel like you lose yourself. And I think that that's why those pauses, those breaks can be so helpful. Um, but I also highly recommend for anybody going through grief, trying to figure out what to do, how to get through it, to seek support, whether it's through a therapist, a bereavement coach, um, an online community, um, because it people who 
find support groups have been shown to do better in general when going through any kind of grief or struggle. Um, that sense of community can be life-changing. Um, and also looking up the stages of grief um, because that helps you understand what you're going through and it just makes you feel more normal. You know, like if you're going from a moment of, I feel I'm like, uh, you know, um, confused and then angry and then I'm sad and then I'm happy and you're like, what's going on with me? Why am I feeling this way? It's important to look up the stages of grief and understand that that's part of the process. You know, um, these feelings are uncommon to us. It's something we're not familiar with. We're not prepared to handle them. And knowing that and understanding, okay, I, I, this is new to me. This is something I didn't plan for. And I, and so therefore I didn't prepare for it. Um, allows you to accept like, and that's why I don't know what to do. Um, but that's okay, because I'm learning and I'll get through this little by little. Um, but those are my recommendations. That's kind of what I did. And, you know, every loss was different. I responded differently to it um, each time. But the most important thing is I'm still here. I'm still standing. And I just, that's my goal with what I do with sharing is to, yeah, it's, you know, to explain to people, it's been rough. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but look at me, I'm still okay. You know, you, I've survived the hardest thing that happened to me. And that makes me feel like I am so strong. And now I know I can overcome anything. And I, I hope that you know, it's hard to see that when you're in the midst of it, but you can look back and say, wow, I really, I got through that, you know, and it gives you this sense of empowerment of I can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Both of you are such warriors for what you, you are going through, but then in the process of going through it, of sharing, one thing I wanted to just touch upon was that, um, notion of grief that you mentioned, Lenny. And in retrospect, I didn't realize that as I was, you know, I grieved the the miscarriages that I had. And, but I didn't realize that I didn't take time to grieve my expectations, my expectations of what this process was supposed to look like for me, this path to becoming a mother. And I didn't do it until much, much later um, when all that trauma, like, eventually just sort of built up on, on itself, but taking that time to grieve your expectations is another thing that, you know, I wish I had known to do beforehand. Um, so you touched upon it already, Lenny, but I'd love to hear from you, Kelsey, about what inspires you to share so openly on social media about your experiences, which for me, I love seeing, I love seeing, um, both of you pop up on my feed and giving such like motivation and inspiration, not to just to myself, but the whole community. So it's, my husband actually calls it like another universe, this like whole community of women. He's like, I didn't even know all this was out there. So um, when I first was told that I was going to be doing IVF, um, I don't even know what compelled me, but I, you know, Instagram is just such a huge part of society these days. I went on Instagram and I was like, I just want to look up like the hashtag IVF and see if there's women like kind of sharing what it's about. Cause I didn't even really know, like I had no friends that had ever gone through IVF. I had no idea what I was even getting myself into. We had had one consultation appointment, which basically told me nothing of what I was getting into. It was just like, yeah, you're going to be doing IVF and we'll bring you back. And um, so I, I looked up the hashtag and I saw a whole world of women just sharing their journeys. And I was just like astonished. Like I was like, wow, I can't believe all these women are just sharing so openly about something so sensitive. And, you know, it was almost something that like I was kind of ashamed about. Um, so for them to be sharing was just like, oh my God, like it, it takes so much to, you know, really put yourself out there and share something so personal to your life like that. Um, and I don't know, I just... I felt like it was a good way to also document like what I was going through. Um, so I could kind of look back and like see my progress. Um, 
or, you know, and just reading their posts and everything, how much support they got from one another was just amazing. Um, And so I just decided to kind of go for it. And I, you know, once I started the process, I I thought about it and I'm like, I'm just going to start one, like an IVF kind of Instagram and dedicate it to that and only talk about that. And I'll share my process along the way and see, you know, if it inspires anyone else or anyone wants to reach out because they could have been like me and been like just starting out and have questions, you know? So, um, and I'm glad I did. I mean, I shared so openly that I think that it was so real and raw that people really appreciated that because, you know, people will share a lot of stuff, but I shared everything. And so I've, you know, I get a lot of questions now, um, from people asking or just saying like, I could really relate to your last post. Um, things that, you know, my husband doesn't even love, like I shared about our lack of sex during IVF, stuff like that, where not everyone talks about stuff like that. So, um, but the community itself is just absolutely amazing. And I have found some of my best friends from there. Um, hence how I found Linny on there actually. And, you know, we've met up and we don't even live super close to each other. Um, we live in the same state, but we talk all the time and it's just like, it's really changed my outlook on things because I have a support system that I did not have before because talking to someone who's gone through it is so much different than having your friend pat you on the back and say, it's going to be okay. You know, I know my best friends mean well, but like these people are like, they understand. So it's just different, um, a different kind of support, which I, I'm so glad that I started sharing on there because it's really helped me tremendously. So, so agree with everything that you said. Um, the women I've met on here, including you, have changed my journey. I mean, just this week, because of you, I met, um, you know, Elizabeth, who led me to a, a new clinic. And it's just we constantly help each other. We support each other. We answer questions for each other, you know, because we all have, even though we're all in the experience um, of infertility or loss, we are all experiencing it differently, right? So we swap stories and we learn from each other and because there's so much, you know, Um, but I initially started to share because, well, first I felt completely alone and isolated because like Kelsey said, no one in my circle of friends or family have, has ever gone through anything like this. So I just felt like I really didn't have anybody to talk to that really got it. Um, and I wanted to find a group of women that like really understood me, you know, and I, and I read the statistics one in four, you know, one in eight. And I was like, that is a lot. So where are they and how do I find them? Um, and so I started sharing my story on Instagram, but I really just did it as an escape and to connect with other women, you know, hoping that someone would reach out and I would make friends and I would feel a sense of connection and community. But then um, I started getting lots of women asking me questions um, because I, I think I had some posts on there that um, shared that I was, um, I had a background in therapy. And so women started to ask me more serious questions and I was like, wait, there's, there's, I have this, you know, these tools, um, for a reason, you know, it's like, I I felt like it couldn't be a coincidence that I had that background. So I started to share resources and tools to help women and to empower them. And it's been amazing. Um, and really for me also, it's, it's, I, it's been a lot of learning. I was overwhelmed at first. I didn't understand anything and I've learned so much. And I just remember what it felt like when I first got into this experience, feeling so lost and confused. And so I started to share all the resources and like interviews that I do with doctors and stuff, because I am, I'm like, okay, for anyone that's never heard of anything like this, I want the information out there. And if they happen to find my account, maybe there's something on there that can help them. You know, um, for instance, I found out I have low progesterone to through a friend that has an account on Instagram. And um, because of low progesterone, because she posted something about it, I got help and now I'm on progesterone support. And that could be a huge cause for miscarriage. 
Um, and I didn't know, I mean, I've been in this journey almost two years now, and I just recently found out about that. And my doctor never thought to test me. I've had to advocate for myself the whole way. Um, but that's something that, you know, such a small, simple thing, because it can be fixed really easily, but I didn't know. And I found out through Instagram. And so I, I guess I kind of like pay it forward. You know, I put the information out there for anyone else that's looking for answers. Well, I love what both of you contribute to the conversation in the community. It's so helpful to so many. And um, you're right. there. It, it's so helpful to be able to hear from someone who understands what you're going through, no matter how different your personal experience with the fertility journey may be. You know, when I was doing it back 15 years ago, there we didn't have these like online communities or any of these apps. And I really felt super alone. And um, I mean, I didn't even have friends who were going through getting pregnant. So it was really isolating. And so, you know, I um, thank you both for what you guys do. And I wanted to ask um, what you wished you would have known when you first started your fertility process or, or what would your current self have told you back then? I also have low AMH. So um, I just... You know, after I did my first egg retrieval, I had only got one egg, which was super disappointing because when you ovulate, you drop one egg. So I'm kind of like, well, what am I doing all these injections for? You know, what what is really like what why is not more happening? Um, so later, you know, she's like, Well, go on CoQ ten and that will help with, you know, egg quality and you know, s- stuff like that. So I was just upset, like, why wasn't you have to be on it for three months before it takes effect. So I'm like, why hasn't someone told me to like, just take this? If it, if it helps improve anything at all, I should have been told to get on this right away. Um, So stuff like that, I wish I would have just known from the get go. Um, And also just kind of that nothing is promised. You know, I really genuinely was so naive and I thought we were paying for a baby. I literally thought I was going to have to pay And, you know, we were going to do IVF, but at the end of the road, we were going to have a baby. And, like, we are at round three at the end and still have no baby. And so I – but having that first consultation was, like, okay. Like, they were reassuring me, yeah, we're going to do IVF. They made it sound like, okay, you know, we're going to go through this, but, you know, you will – you'll have a baby, so it'll be fine. Um, So I guess just, you know, nothing's promised which is so unfortunate because it's such a long, hard, difficult road. And it's so stressful, stressful on all relationships, my family, my friends, my husband, um, and to just not even at the end of it have anything to show for. um, It's just really hard, you know? So I guess, you know, just the lack of information I feel like that I got at the beginning, um, just really do your research and like kind of, you know, because I... I didn't look into much. I was just like, well, I figured my doctors would tell me um, what I need to do. And like Lenny said, you kind of have to advocate for yourself. You know, it's like, ask at the beginning, like, what can I do? Um, By round two, they're putting me on a growth hormone because they thought it would help improve. Um, And I'm like, well, why wasn't I just on this in the, on the first round, you know, like just give me everything I need to do at the beginning. So really kind of do your research and find out exactly what's going to help you get the very best odds and the very best results. Because I, I don't want to be at round three and you're telling me new things, you know, that I need to be doing. Like, I just want to do them and get it over with. So I think that was, that's something I totally wish I would have known from the beginning for sure. So. Yeah, no, those are really great points about advocating and research. Cause I feel like I went into the process the same way you did. I was just sort of naive about the whole thing and thought, okay, well, I'm in my mid twenties. And so this should work. And it didn't. And it wasn't until much later that I realized, well, I should be asking all these questions. I should be looking into all these things. And I think that's the beauty of community, especially on social media is that you get to see, like Lenny was saying before that you get to see what other people are going through and you then know the questions to ask, because I think part of the problem is, well, you don't know what questions to ask because you've not been through it. So I'd love to hear, um, Lenny, your takeaways on what you would have told yourself in the beginning. 
It's funny what you just said. Um, you don't know what questions to ask because I've said that before. You don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what to ask. Um, but there are so many resources now online um, that you can look up to get questions. I mean, it's, it's you have to be careful because not everything you read is true, but it gives you some direction. Um, I wish that I would have known that it can take trial and error um, because I have realized now after, you know, three losses and two tries on our own and then two more tries on medication, um, you know, that it's like I'm, I had to learn through the process that, oh, sometimes you need to try something new. You know, sometimes your body won't respond to this. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, I was really hoping you know, oh, the medicated, the medicated cycle will be it, you know, but I've learned so much along the way, same thing, you know, take CoQ10 and DHEA and, you know, um, just so many little things that you can tweak um, as you're trying different things. And it takes trial and error to figure out what's going to work for your body. Um, and I, I wish that I just would have been like that those expectations would have been made more clear from the beginning to me, you know, Hey, we're going to do our best and hopefully it works the first time, but it might just take some trial and error, you know, um, that would have made it easier on me. Um, and then also I just want to say, like, I think it's important for people to know that nobody knows your body better than you do and trust your gut. You know, if your doctor's not listening to you, find another doctor, but trust your gut. Like, the first time with the excessive blood loss that I had, I knew something was wrong. And my doctor just kept saying that that could be normal, but my heart was telling me it just didn't feel right. And I waited too long. And because that was, you know, so traumatic, I vowed to never allow that to happen to me again. So now I ask all the questions. I'm pushy. I'm probably annoying. <laughs> um, because I refuse to take no for an answer. It's my body. This is my story. This is my money. So if I want something, you know, get out of the way. <laughs> Either help me or get out of the way. Um, and I just have become extremely um, just strong about, I know my body, you know, listen to me. I know my body. Um, and I think that that's a great place to stand in, you know, in this journey. Yeah, I love that because oftentimes we second guess ourselves because we feel like, well, we're not the doctors. We didn't go through all this this education for it. But at the end of the day, you're the one living in in that vessel and you know it. You know it better than anyone else. So I think that's super great advice. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of followers who reach out to you. I'm wondering and curious about what are some of the most common things women have reached out to you about and how do you respond to them and support them on, on social media? Kelsey? So I would probably say it's pretty even between starting their IVF journey and miscarriage. I feel like those are the two most common questions I get asked about. Um, and every situation is so unique and different that I don't have like a generated answer for each person. It's like, I ask them, well, tell me about your journey and how you got here and what's your diagnosis. Cause everyone's so different. Um, and also it just kind of depends also where I'm at in my journey, because if I just posted about my egg retrieval, someone will message me and say, you know, I just saw you had your egg retrieval. What did you do to prep for that? Or, um, you know, if I just have a transfer coming up, like, what do you recommend for that? So, I mean, I really get asked about everything, but I would say it really just depends where I'm at in my journey. Like after I had my miscarriage, I just had a lot of people reaching out, you know, saying like, okay, did you do a DNC? Did you do the pills? Like I'm, I'm going to have to miscarry. Um, so probably starting their IVF journey and what to expect and miscarriage, I would say, are my two most asked about common questions I get, um, which I'm always like an open book to talk about. So I'm like happy. And, you know, I do have 
quite a lot of followers, I guess, but um, I feel so like I get anxiety if I don't get back to these people. Like I know what it's like to like reach out to someone and just hope that they answer, especially about something so personal and sensitive to your life. Um, So I always try to reach out back to all these people, but you know, like I said, it's just kind of depends on their diagnosis and where they're at in their journey um, as to how I respond. But yeah. I understand what you mean with like feeling um, anxiety if you don't respond. <laughs> that happens to me too. I feel a sense of responsibility and it's hard because we're, we're in the thick of it too, you know, and sometimes it's hard to just do what we have to do for ourselves. Right. Nonetheless, do that for other people. And it's a lot, you know, it's like one of us versus like thousands of women right. you know, that reach out and, that's it can be a lot and kudos to you because like I have a background in relationship coaching and therapy and it's like I went to school for this and I have all these tools and so I feel like I'm kind of mentally prepared even though I'm still human but you you know you're just trying to help people just sharing what you can and I think that's incredible thank Um, you yeah, I have a lot of people who ask me all sorts of questions. I don't, but they're all related to, you know, fertility or loss and, you know, how I found answers and what I think about this or that. I mean, it's just so many different um, questions and I do my best, but I always tell people, you know, that they, there's only so much you can do and so much you can answer um, over messages you know, so I always tell women, I just kind of guide them to something that can help them more and tell them to do their research. You know, it's tedious, it's annoying, but it's so important because you you have to know everything yourself because no one knows your body better than you and what you're experiencing. So you have to do that research, um, you know, and I, I do my best to get back to everybody and, and be responsive. But sometimes I do have to take a break from it and just you know, focus on what I'm going through because I have to put my oxygen mask on before I can help anybody else, you know? That's total great point. Um, and so to that, to that point, you know, I am curious to hear how you both find the strength to empower and inspire other people on social media on the days when you just feel like crap which happens so often on this, this roller coaster ride of fertility, Kelsey. Um, so helping people for me is like super rewarding. Um, and I also remember like when I first did start, um, my IVF account and I was reaching out to people and, um, I just remember them being so caring and so supportive. And I just remember feeling so touched, like, wow, that these people took the time out of their day to, relive some of their darkest moments and to give me support and you know they're talking about their losses and everything like that and for them to have to revisit those terrible feelings to help a stranger out um it just meant so much to me so I think that you know I just want to give back like I feel like I was so blessed to get so many wonderful women who supported me along the way that like bad day or good day, I feel so rewarding when I I'm helping someone else out, you know, it's just, it feels good to give back and be there for someone. Um, because I get a lot of messages from women who are basically closet fertility, like not sharing nothing, like none of their friends or family know. So it's hard. I'm not, I don't want to leave those people hanging, you know, like I, if they're like, have that strength to open up and reach out to me, like, I want to be there for them. So um, as hard as it is for me to relive those moments, it's so rewarding at the same time. So, Yeah, helping others definitely helps me too. Um, It's a beautiful feeling to know that you're making a difference in someone else's life. It's it's the silver lining in this very dark (laughs) journey for sure. Um, I... I, um, I do my best to respond. Um, but like I said, I also have my days where, cause I'm like really in the thick of it right now. You know, I've had four unsuccessful cycles and so I have my days where I don't feel great. Um, and 
I just take a pause, you know, and, and those days I focus on being okay and doing whatever I need to do. Lots of self-care, long walks, you know, reading. Um, I actually put my phone down a lot during those days because I just need to kind of be grounded and, and center myself. Um, and then I give myself one day, um, like 24 hours to do that. Um, and then I tell myself tomorrow's the new day. That's my motto. And then the next day I wake up and I flip the switch and I get back to everybody that I can. And I do it little by little because it's a lot of messages. Um, and it can be really time consuming. So I try to set some time throughout the day, little by little. Um, but I just feel like I can never keep up with it all as much as I try. It's really hard. Um, and it sucks because I wish I could. I wish I had enough time to to talk to every single person that messages me because, like Kelsey said, I know what that feels like, you know, to 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 look at look to somebody for support and knowledge. Um, and you're so hopeful that they can give you some advice that will make that difference. So I'm very conscious of that. Yeah, you both are so amazing um, with your outreach and your you know, your, um, your kindness to other people. And I was curious to hear about how both of you deal with triggers during highly emotional and stressful times, such as the holidays, Kelsey. Um, so lots of wine (laughs) kidding. Um, so (laughs) for me personally, I have really thick skin, so I don't get triggered as easily as some might. Um, Maybe because I've been through infertility for a few years now where I guess I'm used to it. I think a lot of people announce their pregnancies around that time. You're with family and everyone has their kids around. And I think I I have always have moments of sadness, but I think that I've got a lot tougher skin now than I used to. Um, so, you know, especially I think people get easily triggered too when people say the wrong thing. Um, family members can kind of approach you and say like naive comments. And for me, it's like, I know everyone's coming from a good place. I know that they just want to ask, but they don't know how, or they don't know what to say. So I just like to maybe almost coach them and just be like, you know, like maybe, maybe don't say that, but you could ask me this or something along those lines. I don't know. Um, I, I try to just kind of deal with it which is probably not the right thing to do but um like I said I I have pretty thick skin and I think for me I don't get triggered as easily as some others might so um I handle I handle it pretty well but it 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 can be hard especially if you you know are in the middle of a miscarriage or you just had a miscarriage or this was supposed to be your baby's first Christmas or, you know, stuff like that. Um, those thoughts will creep in for me for sure. Like, um, you know, I would have had what a one and a half year old right now, you know, um, after my first miscarriage, but I don't know. I try to not let my mind go to those places. Yeah, it definitely is hard in the beginning, but as you, like you were saying, your skin sort of toughens as you go throughout. Um, one thing that helped me because, I didn't feel like I was such a tough person was that I, I leaned in on my husband a lot and basically told him that he had to field any and all questions because I didn't want to deal with it. Um, and so that sort of protected my space, but, um, but yeah, that worked for me. And Lenny, you? We're going on our fifth cycle of trying. Um, and I, my first baby would have been one this December. Um, and so, and then my second pregnancy, I would have been due like last week. So, you know, it's hard not to think about that and wonder what life would feel like if they were here with me. Um, and I think for me, I didn't really have triggers earlier in the year, but I am finding recently that, like seeing pictures of like my friends and family with their babies. Um, it's, it's a really weird feeling because I am happy for them, but it makes me, it just, the trigger is that it makes me wonder what life would be like if my babies were here. And then 
because I'm wondering that I start to mourn that they're not here and that I'm sad, you know, that it's a whole nother year and that like I've missed out on that experience. And I think for me, I go into this, I have a lot of hope, you know, but on the flip side of that hope is this fear of like, is this going to happen? You know, if I knew 100% that it's going to happen someday, I would have all the patience in the world. It's like, okay, that's fine. I know it's going to happen. So it doesn't matter when I just want it to happen. But that uncertainty is what's, you know, gets me. Um, and, you know, just so obviously, as you can see, it kind of sends my head into a spiral of different thoughts. You know, as you head into your next round, your next cycle, one thing that you plan to either do differently or to that you already do to prioritize for yourself, Kelsey? Um, that's a great question. Um, probably just take things day by day. You know, I went into this and I've been so rushed trying to get to the end goal, um, where it's not a race. You just, you need to take things day by day. Um, and I think the whole time I was just a complete stress bucket. And I think it's like, if that obstacle comes, then you can deal with it. But there's no sense in worrying about it before, you know. Um, and Lenny and I have talked about that before. It's like, wait, you know, wait until and if it even happens to worry about something, you know. Don't already put those negative thoughts in your head. Um, so I I just think that, you know, just realizing that, look, you slow down. It's not a race. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And there's just no control. So you have to just kind of roll with the punches and take things day by day. So that's probably what my piece of advice, at least. <laughs> yeah, I second, I second that. Um, I think that, you know, you got to cross each bridge as you get there. Um, I once read something about worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet and may never happen is like forcing yourself to experience it when you never even have to, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely try to just take things day by day and cross each bridge as you get there. But also um, I think a lot of women who go through this, like I said earlier, um, can lose themselves or lose sight of who they used to be. And I think it's so important to remember who you are, who you were before and try to keep that, you know, try to keep a grasp on that um, and always go back to that, you know, do things that make you feel like you, for instance, um, the last few months, because we've been trying and I was trying to do everything right, um, I slowed down on the working out because of my blood clotting disorder. They said, you know, my acupuncture suggested to just take it easy. You know, I go on long walks, um, but that's not enough for me. I'm a very active person and I don't feel like myself when I'm not working out. Um so that's something that I'm going to start doing again. I'm going to be careful and make sure I don't overexert myself, but I have to find that balance because it makes me feel like me. So, and also like, you know, Kelsey said, I have in the past kind of isolated myself because I didn't want to talk about it or I didn't know how to talk about it. Like with my, it's one thing to share it like on a, on Instagram and you just put a post <laughs> and it's another thing to have a conversation with like family and friends about it, you know? Um, so I, I struggled with letting people in, in my circle. And recently I started to like really open up and just be honest about it and allow them to hang out with me and be around them. And I feel so much better. It's nice to be around them and to share my experiences, whether they're good or bad with them. Um, and having them around makes me feel like the old me and, that's just what I think is important to just remember who you are through this and not lose sight of that and to continue to live your life. No matter what happens, no matter how hard it is, you deserve to still live. So do whatever you can to continue to live your life through this. Cause you know, it might be short and I pray for everybody that it is, but in case it's a longer than you expected journey, you don't want to look back and feel like you lost time. Like you lost life you know, because you won't get those days back. So really make a conscious effort to continue to live through it. I love that. I really, I, that 
I love that you made that point for our listeners to hear because you're right. It can totally, this whole process can dim your inner light and, and dim your power. But one thing to remember is that it's still there. You know, that light and power that you have within, it's there. And it just needs to, you just need to reconnect to it. And so, you know, I like to tell people to use mindfulness and meditation in order to, to reconnect. But there are so many other ways to to gain that sense of, of power and strength that you have within, like for, for yourself with working out, because it's something that you love to do and it's something that's for you. So thank you both for sharing that. I always like to end my podcast with, um, with gratitude because it's a way to shift from perhaps a state of negativity into one of positivity. So Kelsey, why don't we start with you with just one gratitude that you have for today? Um, just, I think actually having you guys, I love you guys so much. Um, we're going, you know, into this holiday season and I'm just thinking of everything I'm grateful for. And my friends have helped me more than anything this year. Um, so that would probably be my main thing. You guys, all my friends and my family, um, would definitely be uh, my gratitude for the day for sure. Definitely. I, I'm so grateful for the community and these friendships it has just made such a difference in my life and in this journey for me. I don't feel alone anymore. I feel like I have friends that get me that I can talk to and it's just changed it for me. So definitely this community. And also I always try to remember to be grateful for my husband. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Him too, right? <laughs> because I, I, you know, regardless, I always say, um, as long as I have you, I have everything. I always tell him oh, that. I love that. Because it's like, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that I was fortunate enough to find him and to have him, you know, and no matter what, we have each other. And I always try to remember that. Of course, I don't, I want more, you know, I want us to experience having a baby together and do all of that. But I always try to remember like, but we have each other. And that is, you know, we're so fortunate because not everybody has that. Not everybody gets to find their person and we, we have each other and you know as long as we have that we have it all you know well I love these gratitudes thank you so much for sharing my gratitude for today is being able to speak with you and see your actual faces or uh. doing it on Instagram um, and so I will uh, put your information on the show notes but uh, thank you again, Kelsey and Lenny, for joining me today. It was such a pleasure speaking with you, and I really appreciate all the advice and, and wisdom that you had to share with the listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for putting this together. You know, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, it's just like the more we get out there, the more information we share, the more conversations like this we have, the easier we make it for other women to do the same, you know, and the less taboo these topics become. So just, I love you both for what you do. Thank you. You guys are amazing human beings. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode with Kelsey and Lenny. I hope you found them to be as amazing and inspirational as I find them to be. If you're currently in the process of trying to conceive, I'd recommend you follow them both on Instagram as they share daily posts that are empowering, raw, and real that provide people with so much support. You can find Lenny at linspired.living and Kelsey at My Journey with IVF. To listen to past episodes of Responding to Life, be sure to hop onto my website, jayatlurie.com, and you'll find numerous episodes covering topics on wellness, infertility, and parenthood. You'll also find on my site free video meditations to try, links to articles I've written, and interviews I've had on other podcasts talking about mindfulness, meditation, and my fertility journey. Be sure to sign up for my monthly newsletter to get all the latest episodes and news. Thank you again for joining me today, and I look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. 
In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.